This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Today's podcast, we're titling Overcoming Temptation. It's really a continuum to the last podcast that we did called Who Told You That You Were Naked? Let me just recap for a moment. It was based in Genesis chapter 3, and it was about the tree of good and evil and the temptation that the sly one, the cunning one, Satan brings to our lives, and that the tree of good and evil looked good, pleasant, and desirable. It's interesting to me that most temptations that come, and if we acquiesce to them, become sin, always starts out looking good and desirable and pleasurable to us. There's an old song that said the devil comes in tight blue jeans. And that's so true. Sin and temptation always looks good. The temptation doesn't look evil, but it looks good, pleasant, and desirable to us. And that's where we need the discernment of the Lord. And we need to hear from the Lord and how to overcome the works of the flesh and not succumb to the temptations that turn into sin that destroy us and separate us from God's presence. The world seems to be spinning out of control with one crisis or scandal after another. The problems facing our generation are real, and it's easy to feel impotent in answering the cries around us. But the church has the answer, God's redeeming, all-powerful love. At Somebody Cares Global Summit, October 17th through 19th in Houston, Texas, we will connect with and learn from like-minded believers, glean from seasoned and godly leaders, experience practical and spiritual equipping for impact and be sent out with vision, purpose, and power. Let's change the narrative in our communities and nation. Join us at the Global Summit and be part of something bigger than yourself. Visit somebodycares.org for more details and to register. That's somebodycares.org. So today I want to start off in today's message on overcoming temptation with the three types of sin defined in the Old Testament and how it moves into the New Testament and how we can learn from these sins of the past and the sins of Scripture, how to overcome them and to put our faith and our hope and our strength in the grace of God. Dr. Randall Pinnell, uh, who used to teach at Regent University, was the uh, interim uh, president at North Greenville University. He's been a longtime friend of decades, and he was the first who taught me about the three types of words in the Hebrew for sin in the Old Testament. One was Pesha, another was Hata, another was Avon. Avon was the iniquities of the heart. Uh, Pesha is out-and-out rebellion against God. When you know to do right, to, to not do it, that is sin. That's that rebellion. That rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And then the other is Hata. All of us, every day throughout the day, we Hata, Hata, Hata. Hata is to miss the mark. We, we, don't, we don't hit the mark right. So we have all these sins that we we're dealing with, and those sins cause us then to try to justify those sins, or we recognize we're justified by faith and grace in Christ. So when we come to the revelation that we need the grace of God, and we're not justified by our excuses, but we're justified by faith in God, then we'll find that place in that journey of healing. And God is asking these questions. He says, where are you? Who told you that you're naked? And then the third question that he asks each of us, I believe, just like he asked Eve, and then, of course, ultimately to all of us, what is this that you have done? It's confession. When we confess our sins one to another, confess our sins to the Lord, God has a way of bringing healing in our lives that takes us down this process of the redemption of God. 
You see, from the very moment that Adam and Eve fell into temptation of the serpent, that very moment, God was already looking at a scarlet thread of redemption. But I think for all of us, he asked the same three questions. Where are you? Who told you that you were naked? And what is this that you have done? If we would confess our sins to God, recognize that, that God is all we need, that in him we can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, there's a related story here I want to just touch base on. And it's out of 1 Samuel chapter 11. Because the same word that used for, for Nahash, 1 Samuel chapter 11, is the same word given to the serpent in Genesis 3. Nahash, the Ammonite, marched against Jabesh-Gilead. All the men of Jabesh-Gilead said to Nahash, Make a treaty or a covenant with us or a compromise with us, and we will serve you. Now, what's the story here is that when, when Nahash, the Ammonite, and Nahash literally means snake or serpent, marched against Jabesh-Gilead, they had encompassed them, and there was a famine, and they were encompassed, and they were surrounded by, by Nahash the Ammonite, or the serpent snake, and had surrounded the men of Jabesh-Gilead. And so they said, look, how can we get out of this situation? How, how can we make a compromise with you? How can we make a treaty with you? And, and we will serve you if you'll just not kill us. You won't destroy us. But Nahash the Ammonite, or the serpent snake, said to them, the only way I will make a treaty with you as if you let me gouge out the right eye of every one of you. In so doing, I will humiliate all of Israel. Ultimately, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to inhibit our testimony. He wants to humiliate or he wants to shame or he wants to make an attack on the Lord himself. So if he can cause you and me to compromise, if he can cause us to fall into temptation and not believe God, but begin to believe the lie, then he does what he wants to do. This Nahash, which means serpent or snake, is derived from a Hebrew word, which means to practice divination, observe signs of divination, learn by experience, diligently observe, practice fortune telling, take as an omen. Interestingly, enough that we find according to the Strong's Concordance that the translation in the Hebrew for Nahash in 2 Samuel and the serpent in Genesis 3 are exactly the same. In Hebrew culture, a lot of times they use fables and parables. The serpent we find in Genesis is not to be taken literally as a snake, but it's like when we refer to that person being a snake in the grass. Most of us depict it to be a literal snake, but figuratively speaking, Satan is like a snake. He's cunning, he's sneaky, and he's sly. And he's trying to cause you to compromise your convictions and to be strayed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, ultimately to humiliate you and me, but also to bring the slap in the face of God. Why? Because God so loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so desires, and he loves us so much. He's always looking for a plan of redemption, a plan of, of deliverance. He's our Bel Perizim, our, our master of breakthroughs. He's our deliverer. He has a future of good and not evil for us. And if we come to that place of the revelation, then when the this cunning, sly serpent begins to speak to us and tries to tempt us to doubt God, we can put him back in his place, just like Jesus did in the temptation in Luke chapter 4. In fact, I want to touch out base on that just for a moment, because I think it's important, because, you know, oftentimes, even as Christians, we think somehow that we've arrived, that we, that, you know, we don't need uh, to 
to worry about because we're covered by grace, so we don't have to worry about all these things around us. And yet God says, look, don't give place to the devil, but know the wiles of the devil. So how can we not give place if we don't know the wiles? The four, what we need to do is be cognizant of the slyness and the slipperiness of Nahash or the, the slyness of the serpent, of Satan himself, that will look for ways to try to be cunning to get us distracted from believing God's word and ultimately compromising God's word and his covenant commitment to us. So when it says in, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward when he had ended, he was hungry. And here's what the devil, the cunning one, the sly one, said to Jesus, if you, if you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus immediately responded with the word, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So notice here, the immediate thing we need to do, just like with Jesus by his example, because like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So the Christ in me, you can follow. So here's what Jesus is giving us as an example. When the devil, the cunning one, the sly one, the divining one, tries to come and to tempt you, and he says, if you are, or if you are a Christian, just like he said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. That's the tempting of Christ. We don't have to tempt Christ when we already have a relationship with Christ. We walk in Christ, and the authority is placed upon us when our eyes are fixed on him and our hearts belong to him. But here's what Jesus said to the devil. It is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I really believe we're in a place right now that we need to get back into speaking the Word of God, proclaiming the Word of God. And when the enemy begins to lie to us, that we would read the Word to wash our minds and cleanse our minds, but also we need to speak the Word, not so much because God, God knows His Word, but I need to sometimes speak God's Word, pray God's Word, so that I know that the Word that never fails, and God's Word is true, is, is going to be able to penetrate the doubt in my own heart and mind, and I can hold on to God's, God's word because God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Then the devil uh, took Jesus to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me or worship me, all will be yours. This is the devil speaking to Jesus. Look, I have all this authority. I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. I will give you all this if you'll just bow down and worship me. But here's what Jesus, how Jesus responds to the devil. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone you shall serve. One of the sins of the desert uh, in the journey of the desert in the Israel 40 years that also is referred to by Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 is the place of, of idolatry. See, there's only one to be worshipped. If we lift up Jesus, we don't need to worship the things of this world. Anything that masters or possesses our affections more than Jesus is a form of idolatry. Well, the same temptations in our lives, we need to be aware and cognizant of the wiles of the devil, but speak the word and realize when we're tempted, don't succumb to the temptations of the flesh, but let the Spirit of God that wars against the flesh be strong in us so that we can respond by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And then the third thing is that the devil took him to Jerusalem and he set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, 
if you are, again, it's the question, if you are the Son of God, or to us, if you really are a Christian, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now notice how the devil digresses here, because he finally acknowledges you're the Son of God. If you're really the Son of God, according to the Word of God, and according to what's written, that God's angels shall have charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up unless you dash your foot against a stone. So he is acquiescing in a partial truth, saying, if you are the Son of God, he goes, then you can just throw yourself over here. It's that place of having to somehow prove your point to the enemy, to the devil, the sly one, the divining one, the, the snake, the serpent, and having to somehow prove him. We don't have to prove anything to him or to anyone else. If Christ is in you, then you don't have to prove yourself. You just have to let God do approving in you. He approves of us, and he proves us. We're not perfect, but he that is perfect lives in us and works through us. God is more than able to bear us up and keep us, but we don't have to prove that to the devil or anybody else. Here's what Jesus answers and says, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an, another opportune time. You know, I, I think about this. How many leaders today, even in the body of Christ, we think that, we, that we've somehow, uh, we're not going to be tempted by the same things. But yeah, Scripture is very clear that we're tempted. Uh, Jesus was tempted with all these things. And he was tempted as a man like us so that he would understand what all the temptations we would go through. So when he went to the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, that he would be sympathetic and understanding and empathetic of us and our trials. So when we look to him, we too can overcome the works of the flesh. See, the grace of God is not given to us to trample under foot the spirit of grace, but the grace of God helps us to overcome the works of the flesh as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So it says again in 1 John 2, 16, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Earlier I said no one sets out to fail, and yet how come so many, even as Christian leaders, are falling into temptation, falling into desiring the things of this world rather than pleasing God? The same exact things that the devil tempted Jesus for in the wilderness, just like the same things that Israel was tempted by in the 40 years of, of wilderness journey, are the same things that we can learn from and not have to succumb to or be tempted by or fail to. Just like Adam and Eve, we don't have to eat of the tree of good and evil when we already have it good. Those of us who are born again and love the Lord and call upon the name of the Lord, we don't have to live according to the flesh when we have the presence of God in our lives. And when we fix our eyes on Him, He leads us where He wants us to go and not according to the things that the world promises. The world promises to, to, to satisfy. The flesh promises all these things. But the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are things that will cause us into bring us into bondage and enslavement, not into freedom and liberty. And Paul says in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has set you free, and be no longer entangled in the yokes of bondage. So we just to quickly here, 1 Corinthians 10, there's five basic sins, just like the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it all comes from that. Just like the sins of wanting to eat of the tree of good and evil when God says, who told you you were naked? Where are you? What have you done? That he, We see the children of Israel in the 40-year desert. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, the five primary sins was lust, idolatry, sexual immorality, 
tempting Christ and murmuring. Those all come from the same things, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. But it says, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, because they were scattered in the wilderness. God doesn't want you and me to be scattered in the desert of life. He wants to keep our eyes fixed in Him, knowing that we can get through our desert times, get through our wilderness times, get through every temptation when we know the wiles of the enemy, but give no place to the enemy. Don't let the divining one, the sly one, the, the serpent keep us, and the cunning one keep us from what God's intended purposes are for our lives. See, for us today, as we confess Christ, that we, being led of the Holy Spirit, we recognize the strength and the grace that God has given us to overcome the works of the flesh. We don't have to succumb to the things of this world. How do we respond to temptation? We can learn from Jesus, and, and, and we must know His Word and speak His Word, hide His Word in our hearts. I love what it says in Psalms 119, verse 9 through 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word, God's word. With my whole heart, I have sought you, God. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Be free today. Stand fast in liberty where Christ has set you free and be no longer entangled the yokes of bondage. Galatians 5.1. I just pray for you right now. God, I just pray for those that are listening. God, I'm praying that, that you would remind us that we don't have to eat of the tree of good and evil when we already have it good in you. We don't have to be tempted, and we don't have to be those who succumb to the temptation of the flesh. God, help us to learn from you, to know how to overcome every lie of the devil by speaking your word and letting your word live in us and through us. If you're in need of prayer or know someone that needs prayer, please feel free to contact us at prayer at somebodycares.org. That's prayer at somebodycares.org. If you're enjoying our podcast, A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, please take a moment to share it with others to help us to become good news in a world of bad and negative news. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.